0: Uh, well, despite talking about mustaches and airplanes and <laughs> Top Gun, uh, that's not our movie today. We're completely it is not- off course. We are wildly <laughs> we are- off course.
1: <laughs> we are Amelia Earhart off course right now. <laughs> R.I.P. Are- oh, Amy. I know. Uh, should we get into it? Yeah, we should. Are we ready? Let's uh, let's uh, cue up the music. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do the thing. Just do the thing. <laughs> Welcome to B-Siders, a podcast to discuss and deconstruct perfectly adequate movies. Not good movies, not bad movies, just fine movies. So fine, in fact, you probably forgot they even exist. Uh, I am Ryan. I'm DJ J Rick coming to you from the 407. And DJ or, J. J Or, or, or
0: 321. Because um, there's <laughs> two area codes. Anyways, so, I uh, continue.
1: DJ J. Ray and I may not be nearly as uh, <laughs> forgettable as these films, but we probably run a close second. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Mr. 407, why don't you kick it off for us? <laughs>
0: Can we, can we have a little professionalism, please? You're,
1: oh, oh, oh you're I'm sorry. You were out of did control. I, did, I, we, did I not, did I not deliver the, the, the intro? You're going off the rails. Sorry. You had to pull back away from your microphone. You were laughing so hard. <laughs> That's right, because I'm a professional. Uh,
0: yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll, laugh. I'll laugh from a distance from now on. <laughs> uh, this week, we are discussing 2004's Without a Paddle, starring... Yeah. The comedy greats, uh, Matthew Lillard, Dax Mm -hmm. Shepard, and uh, Seth Green.
1: Yeah, this is actually a really interesting cast because I don't know that they've ever appeared together in any other movie. And I think that there is an interesting, um, like, comedic chemistry between these three guys. They all stylistically have a very, like in terms of the kind of comedy they bring to the screen, they have a style. And I thought the interplay between these three was super interesting in this movie. I, uh, I'd, would forgotten like, well, in keeping with the theme of the podcast, I had really forgotten this film until we sat down and watched it. And these are guys that
0: I would say um, all three of them were on the rise. Yes. Like at this point, uh, Matthew Lillard, I think he had done Scooby-Doo by this point. Uh, Seth Green is coming off of like Austin Powers and he's rising with, uh, you know, some of the stuff he's working on. And um, Dax Shepard had just come off Punked, which I didn't know that before.
1: Yeah. I, I, and the funny thing is, I think either like the pilot episode of Punked or like the second episode features Dax Shepard as a very handsy tattoo artist working on uh, one of the members of the production team's wife. And that was who they were punking was the member of the production team, which was funny because it was like they hadn't yet narrowed down what celebrities are we even going to go after. So we're just going to go after our own production team. (laughs) That was probably safe as you try to figure out your your formula. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, Matthew Lillard also, I always forget this, had a bit role in um, She's All That. And uh, that was like yeah. the, one of the very first things I remember him on screen for around the same time was when uh, Seth Green uh, was a B uh, character in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So, like, all of these guys had these kind of, like, interesting little side gigs. Well, interesting from, like, a late 90s culture standpoint, anyway. Well, um, but Seth these- Green
0: also <laughs> in, um, uh, is it Can't Hardly Wait? Like, the the Yes. Oh, Jennifer my God. Yeah.
1: He is so... Fucking hilarious in that movie. That is maybe one of my favorite Seth Green roles. Is him as <laughs> can't hardly wait. He's he's excellent.
0: Yeah, uh, this was directed by Stephen Brill, who has done a lot of like SNL stuff. Uh, he's done a lot of Adam Sandler
1: uh, and, vehicles. And- I think both of those show through in this movie. I think you can feel a little bit of like the bit comedy humor and um, the, the sort of Adam Sandler style, like ridiculousness. Um, so it's, it, that doesn't shock me.
0: Yes. Because there is some actual stupid shit in
1: this movie. There is some it's funny. <laughs> it's <laughs> really funny, but it is so stupid. It's really dumb. <laughs> yeah. uh,
0: you've got a writing team here of uh, let's see, who do I got written down here? Mitch Rouse, Tom Nursau jay leggett harris goldberg and fred wolf which i had to look up fred wolf because i was like wait fred Fred i was like is it the fred wolf it is not. it's a
1: different one Uh, Uh, i would have loved it if it was the fred wolf that would have been that would have added a whole new layer to this movie
0: that's all right we're gonna connect it back in a different way oh Um, i cannot wait (laughs) uh box office uh no sorry budget was 19 million box office was 73. Uh, oh wow so this is actually like a rousing success Uh, Well, I mean, in terms of budget to
1: profit, budget to to profit. Yeah, exactly. This I mean, it's it is obviously a low budget movie. Like, so for our listeners, this is kind of an interesting one. Uh, Josh and I actually managed to watch this one together. Um, He was in uh, in Nashville last week, and we we actually got to sit down and watch this film. And I do remember one of the things we commented on. We tried to keep the commentary low so that we could save it all for this. But the special. Yeah, it was super frustrating. It was super frustrating. Um, I like
0: I have so much shit I want to say.
1: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh, the special effects in this movie absolutely suck. Like I, I know I said, I wasn't going to go into it in uh, uh, Godzilla, um, but wow, the special effects in this movie are terrible. So it shows that this is only a $20 million budget, but I think that gave it space to be financially successful.
0: The, um, the canoe going off the waterfall is especially egregious. It's Um, so, so bad. I think they should give it to George Lucas and be like, hey, can you redo this? And he could probably made that canoe fall a little more believable. Maybe add more canoes, a tauntaun. Uh,
1: there should be at least one do back in the background and maybe some like concussion rings coming out after it lands. You know what I'm yes. saying? Uh, <laughs> yes. I, I think it would not take away anything from the film. We um, no, wouldn't. That's the funny part. It really
0: wouldn't. <laughs> uh, it's interesting. Uh, Star Wars is all over this movie.
1: Yes, it is. It's, I mean, it's I, I, kind of a surprise. Uh, And this is, I think, because we talked about this a little bit, um, which was so one of the things that strikes me about this movie is it is a sort of like buddy comedy that I'm I'm very afraid we will not see much of anymore. Like these kinds of movies just don't have the path to success uh, that I think they used to. And because of the way that like Hollywood industry is, this is a whole like other discussion. But one of the movies that this reminded me of was Fanboys which fanboys is arguably super Star Wars centered. And these the, the two films kind of came out around the same period where like there was that like uptick in Star Wars fandom and I think that's part of what played into it was like the the idea of the Star Wars fan almost was not as uncool as it used to be. It used to be kind of like a nerdy thing to be into Star Wars, but as like, you know, the the prequel trilogy was was coming out and there was all kinds of, you know, just public attention given to that being a star wars fan suddenly wasn't as uncool anymore and you're right it's fingerprints are all over this movie
0: well you have a—I uh, i mean look at people like seth green who like he you know he grew up with original star wars and now he's of age to do stuff and he's got that fandom there's there's so much star wars there is in this movie i had to go look up and verify the production company um this without <laughs> with, without a paddle um, uh, came out was was paramount, which also was Indiana Jones.
1: Um, oh, okay. So the, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it makes yeah. sense
0: they could have they could have the Indiana Jones nods. You know, they could have the little mm-hmm. compass and the the ringtone, um, which that's another <laughs> such a stupid bit we're going to come back to. Um, the, and the the ringtone and the bear, yes. <laughs> 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 um, but uh star wars was fox um right star wars was still fox at this time and um i don't know if it was just like the lucasfilm connection and maybe just like lucasfilm gave the okay yeah. because you have the 3po toy which would have had to have been improved seriously uh, yep doing his 3po impression um <laughs> but the 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 atv chase through the forest that you know, Dr. Ma, you know, Seth Green's character, Doctor. you know, Ma, he's, he's, um, he's, it's his process. He's, he's, like, he's pretending he's in the speeder chase and he's making like, the oh,
1: that's chase. right. <laughs> he's making, that's right. He's, he's like trying to get himself out of being just terrified. <laughs>
0: but the, the whole, that, that whole scene then shifts to almost like his perspective where it's cut it, Like it is what? the return of the <laughs> Jedi and or speeder chase. Um. <laughs> It's pretty. Which is very, it's a. It's a great nod, but you're like, it is. how did you get away with doing that?
1: <laughs> uh, but it's. It, it is. It's. It's so well done, and it, uh, the the placement of it in the movie. I mean, it's near the climax, and so it, it feels very much like it does in the actual <laughs> Return of the Jedi. It's like the, the this film is uh, almost oddly structured, like one of the star Wars movies where you have these three kind of like just guys that are sort of nowhere in their life. It's not nearly as like last starfighter, like we talked about, you know, uh, two weeks ago, but just these guys who are kind of just nowhere in their life. And, um, are called together on this one great adventure that just becomes wilder and wilder, the longer it goes on. And they, they are constantly up against the odds of <clears throat> what's interesting about it. Even a corrupt government, you know, like when, uh, you know, the empire is arguably, you know, a corrupt version of, of a, a government. And the fact that, you know, the, the sheriff is involved with a lot of the, the hijinks that goes on, it kind of plays mm-hmm. into, you know, it's, I mean, it's a loose connection, but it's
0: so, um, all right. So let me give a rundown of the plot here real quick. Please do. Uh, yep. I might take longer than two sentences, but you know, uh, get, you know uh, give it as long as you can. <laughs> no. So you have these four like best friends that have grown up and kind of gone their ways in life. One of them passes away. And so these guys kind of reunite at his funeral and decide to finish this childhood dream of theirs, which was to find the uh, the lost treasure, <laughs> if you will, of <laughs> DB Cooper. They want to try to find where DB Cooper landed with his like two hundred thousand um, uh, dollars. So a little bit of a historical backstory because this is actually a real thing. Uh, back in yeah. the seventies, it was uh, November twenty fourth, nineteen seventy one. Uh, a guy hijacked an aircraft. Uh, he went by the name D.B. Cooper or Dan Cooper. Uh, don't know if that's ha- his actual name or not. Um, but he robbed a bank. He had like 200000 on him and um, basically hijacked control of this plane and parachuted out over the air, um, Oregon wilderness. Was never seen again. No one knows what happened to him. Um, they found some of the money, I think a few years later, washed up downstream somewhere oh interesting i did not know that uh some of it but uh okay. for the most part this is this is a cold case um and so that's the that's the premise like this this treasure that they're going to go find that's its, <laughs> its basis in reality is um they were kind of obsessed with the idea of trying to find db cooper and there's a certain romanticism of to it um it's, yeah is that, so weird and kind of bizarre and you you almost kind of root for TB Cooper cuz yeah like, in an, he in a way it. Right. He got away <laughs> with it right in a way with uh, it nobody knows what happens um but these kids were obsessed with this story um which makes sense cuz they were like they were kids when this event would have happened Right stuff. So they have a pirate flag, they have a the, their tree house is named Fort Cooper, and that's always been the dream. Um, so you cut to them as adults, uh, their friend has died, and they're kind of reminiscing about all of it. and um, I think there's a sense of guilt attached to it because they realize, oh, he actually wanted to go actually go out and go do this last summer and we weren't able to do it. Right. And like so they and they missed their shot and now their friend is gone. Um I thought there was a interesting symmetry where D B Cooper, you know, parachuted out of a plane and disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um we find out in the in the film narrative, uh D B Cooper uh got stuck and he he died. Um their friend Billy dies parasailing. I think so. <clears throat> yeah, something like it, it, I was like, "That's kind yep. of an interesting symmetry." That
1: they yeah, there. It, and I think it was. I mean, it's. It obviously had to have been intentional, um, because you know the whole idea was like. Uh, I mean, we meet later on in the film. DB Cooper's partner, played by played excellently by Burt Reynolds. <laughs> um, and and one of the things that he discusses is just like the bond of friendship and how like there you you cannot um, you you cannot break that that sort of like bond and and there's this there is a, i think you put it best there's like a romanticism and a mysticism to like th- the bindings of a of like lifelong friends and uh this the the one who who passed uh, what's the character's name the one who passes billy. away billy yeah uh billy is arguably the db cooper of the group he is the most adventurous he is the one who just like wants to to you know always be out doing something and so for him to pass away in a parasailing accident uh, is at once sort of in keeping with the comedy of this film, but also is a, a a nice subtle nod to, you know, him being essentially the DB Cooper of this group and the, like the bond that holds them together. The
0: actor that plays Billy, by the way, um, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they all part their ways to go off to college and whatever. And um, Jerry, Matthew Lillard's character is like, you know, I, well, I think it's. I actually, I think it's Tom who's like he's going to do great things, and Jerry's yeah. like we're all going to do great things. Um, but <laughs> Anthony Starr is seriously doing some great things because he is killing it right now as Homelander. Is that who it is? Billy Newwood uh, apparently faked his death and came back as like the supreme asshole superhero of the universe. <laughs> uh,
1: that's yeah. He's he's Homelander. Uh, uh... I was just looking at this series too. I, I absolutely never would have put that, that together. Oh my God. Yeah. 18 years ago, he was Billy Newwood for five minutes in without a paddle. That's mm-hmm. nuts. The fact that that's in his known for filmography, uh, that, that kind of feels tragic considering how, uh, intense he is in, in, in the boys. God, he's, and he is great in that. Yeah, series. he is like, just a, a, an absolute sociopath.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um. So, yeah, I just wrote a note. I was like, oh, he went on to do great things. He did. And like Good and for him. Very, Ollivander <clears> of <throat> <sword> away. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible, but great. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> yes. Um, so I'll break down my favorite scene in this movie. Okay. Is the funeral um i can't really explain why but there's just something so hysterical about them just like having the somber moment at the funeral and (laughs) tom rolling up on his harley and just totally totally cannot read the room (laughs) (laughs) and he's just like is this billy's funeral but then he's like is this is that the corpse (laughs)
1: new one. <laughs> like, that's one of his childhood best friends <laughs> right and he, he's so like and then but he's like where'd you guys park <laughs> where' you <guys> park
0: <laughs> this is well this is important stuff uh uh oh man so th- th- this movie uh resonates to me on a personal level um when it came out uh yeah when it came out i think Anyone that was a part of like a group of friends was like, "Oh, there's us, and you're the fuck <laughs> Yeah, I'm talking about. Uh, you know, like you, you always had a little bit of that. Yeah. Um, but I felt very Jerry. Um, Jerry's played by Matthew Lillard, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting because he's the, kind of the the everyman. Like he's the most like straight yeah. normal character. Yeah, Agree. You know? Um, but he you know when we we meet him he's on the outs with his girlfriend because of things they're they're about to break up and then he gets this terrible news uh mm-hmm. that his friend has died and that just derails everything um i had a very similar experience um, mm. probably a little over a decade ago now um there okay. were there were four of us friends uh in in high school and um we, we were buddies. We, you know, did a lot of stuff together and had a good time. And we, some of us drifted a little bit um, and one of them drifted kind of the furthest from us. And uh, I remember um, my girlfriend and I had just broken up and I was in the midst of just like trying to figure all that stuff out, like I, you know, emotionally and practically. Um, and then I get a call like that next morning. I get a call uh, from someone who's like, "Hey, so and so died." Mm. Um, which it completely put everything I was worried about completely put it on the back burner. Yeah. because um, I was like, oh, "Okay, I'm I'm focused on this right now," and immediately figuring out how to like get back to my hometown for the funeral and coordinating with other friends and people who knew him, being like, "Hey, do you know the news? Are you aware of this? Like, let's try to meet and." Right and stuff and so it, it, it was it was eerily similar. Nobody drove up on a Harley. Um, <laughs> we were all very. Nobody, we nobody all was very res- No, we, yeah, okay. we were very respectful. <laughs> good, uh, good. You know, because life is not a zany comedy. Um, <laughs> but I ever since that moment, I was like, oh, this movie has a little extra significance for me because of the, yeah, the real life parallel. Um, so I will always, while this movie is fine and forgettable, I'm like, I, I care about this movie
1: a little bit more. Yeah. And, and and again, I, one of the things that I worry about just with sort of the direction of how film is being made these days. And and this is something that I thought about a lot watching this movie was that this idea of buddy comedies, I, I don't see the space for it in modern cinema, the way that it it used to exist. Um, so I, I forget what I was listening to some critical breakdown of basically like when the, the, the film industry really made a hard pivot and the movie that was pointed to was the hangover and how that was like basically the last time that kind of movie would ever be made. And that after that, the priorities of the film industry in general really changed. I would put this movie in the same kind of category as the hangover, or like we said earlier, fanboys, it is, it it is essentially a very zany version of stand by me, right? It is, you know, a a group of friends, you know, on this quest to do something. I I call out the Goonies. uh, Oh yeah. Perfect. Yes, that's right. Yeah, exactly. Perfect example but it, like it, it, there's nothing there's nothing epic about this movie there's nothing of you know like grand scale that <clears throat> can be put on a movie poster in a way that's going to make people be like oh i have to see this right it, it was something that if you found it probably resonated with you i think I, it maybe not quite the same you know like very you know, very similar parallels that you're experiencing, but like what you were saying earlier about you had a conversation among your group of friends, like you're the Tom, you're the Jerry. And I just put that together as Tom and Jerry. Wow. <laughs> 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 I have to say it out but loud. They don't, they, don't
0: re- they don't pick on each other.
1: Though. No. They yeah, on, exactly. They pick on, Dan. they pick on, on, uh, yep. Dr. Mott. Um, but yeah, it's, it, And it's sort of a sad thing because these are the kind of movies that were just fun movies to go to, right? Like, it didn't need to be this big emotional experience. It didn't need to be Avengers Endgame or something like that. You just, you had an afternoon free and you're like, let's go see Without a Paddle. That looks good. You enjoyed it. You had a good time. You were, you know, diverted for a little while. And then you had something else to chat about with your friends. And that's, as a, like... uh, uh, that's what I was reflecting on watching this movie. It's like, how, how is it that it doesn't look like there's a space for this kind of film anymore? I would
0: argue that they have um, tried to do it, you know, a few more times. I I think another one that follows in a similar vein uh, came out in recent years is tag. I don't know if you've seen tag.
1: I have seen tag. Yeah. With Jeremy Renner,
0: right? Yes. Yeah. That is also a very good group of friends. Sure, ridiculous movie. Um, yeah, <laughs> but it has, like it has it. It's it surprisingly there's there's like a heart to it. Uh, yes, you. Know you. Um, that's not the movie we're discussing today. But watch tag if you haven't, <laughs> guys. That's a fun movie. It um, is a fun movie. Back to no paddles. No uh, paddles. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's some. Th- there's some. Uh, you could argue it's kind of derivative of. Um, deliverance is probably the famous yeah. one. I mean, especially with the Burt Reynolds, uh, exact here. It, it had to be a nod. It yeah. had, that had to be intentional as uh, well. Yeah. And then there was another movie also back in the day called like up the creek. Um, Oh, so interesting.
1: Like, I, I haven't heard of this.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's a, uh, I mean, again, it's zany adventures on a, on a river. Um, <laughs> uh, your, your plots are different, but, uh, sure. the, the, the core set location uh, is is the root of this uh, which is kind of funny when you think about how many times they end up having to go back in the water to escape their troubles yeah.
1: <laughs> like I, and that's the, like the when I think about this move is like I know they went over at least one waterfall and uh, I'm trying to remember at what point do they completely lose the canoe like at, at what point do they well, just they, know- after
0: they went down the the big waterfall and okay, the canoe that, that flips through the air very slowly, eighty seven times. Oh uh, that so that was bad. ultimately when they lost the canoe. Okay,
1: it was, um, but they. <laughs> <It's>, know, after- <laughs> we should call out the <laughs> the guy who rents the canoe to them is asking him oh uh, asking God. Tom like what what his rating so is. Good. Uh, as, a, as class, a class four class, class five. four five class five and he goes why don't you put those numbers together 45 that's right and 45. <laughs> and he's like I'm not the one who's going to it's drown lie to me I don't care exactly
0: but the better joke comes a minute later when they like christen the boat, and he's like thank you for breaking glass where my kids play like he's so dead serious like just this deadpan What?
1: And I just, you know, I just got done editing the the Joe versus the Volcano episode. And one of the things we talk about is like the strength of minor characters and how they can add to the flavor of a movie. He is perfect in that role. Oh like he God. has like it's just so two or three lines, and he just he nails it.
0: Uh, you know, it's very interesting. I didn't know this until watching like some of the commentary stuff. Uh, this movie was shot in New Zealand. What? Yeah, this fi- this film was was made in New Zealand. Uh, I, I should have known because they were on a boat looking for rock formations that look like people. That's straight out of fellowship. I, I know. <laughs>
1: I'm gonna need a second. <laughs> uh. Yes, you're right. That's exactly how, how we should have known that this was filmed in New Zealand. <laughs> and what do they do in the movie? They do a bunch of Star Wars
0: references.
1: They absolutely. Not Lord of the Rings, Star Wars. Star Wars. Whatever. Yeah. What, hang was this Lord of the Rings was like, oh, two, oh, three. Isn't, isn't that when Fellowship came out? 2001, 2002, 2003. Yeah. Okay. I thought so. And so this was. 2004. So they had an opportunity for this yeah, Like to, to make it's, fellowship reference. Go it, ahead. Lord of the Rings was not like it wouldn't have fit in the story. It, it's, you know, that's, that's, uh, no, that's a good point. Lord of the Rings. They, that's, that's, yeah, that's a good point. Oh man. So I'm, think about, think about this in about 10 more years, we might get a buddy comedy. If we go back to buddy comedies where it's Lord of the Rings that they're recreating. <laughs> well, if
0: you'll notice in more and more films these days, people make these like Lord of the Ring comments and, sure. and references and stuff. So it is like, yeah, we're, we're, we're in there.
1: We're getting into that um, space. Yeah. I yeah. can't believe two towers was 20 years ago. That that's dude. wild, dude. Yeah. Let's think about How I feel, man. Mm hmm. Um,
0: the, yeah. So it, it was shot in New Zealand. Okay. Story wise. It takes place in the middle of nowhere, Oregon. Right. Um, the, the bear, uh, is Alaskan that's an Alaskan Kodiak bear Uh huh. Uh,
1: that should not be in the wilds of Oregon (laughs) Uh, yeah the the Kodiak bears I think most people like couldn't tell the difference looking at one and honestly if I was if I ran into one in the wild I'd probably be too terrified to know the difference um you'd just be like oh big fucking bear (laughs) big fucking bear yeah exactly grizzlies and Kodiaks there there are some differences between them and Kodiaks are actually quite a bit larger which is Uh, wild to think about
0: well, they needed a creature big enough that, like, the audience could believe it would pick up Seth Green and carry in it. its mouth.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Another really bad effect, but you're working with what you can. But it is for nineteen terrible. million
1: dollars. I guess, yeah, it's the best you can do. It's
0: hysterical.
1: Uh-huh. Just curl up, like,
0: curl up. It'll leave you curl alone. In the fetal position. apart the fetal position. <laughs> <laughs> But it's a bit that just
1: goes so long. Seth Green, like watching some of these scenes too, I was like, he has, I, I actually have to give a lot of credit to Seth Green because he has such a particular vibe in like the kind of humor that he delivers in the sort of characters that he plays. And he often plays these kind of like, you know, because he's, he's a shorter guy, like goofy, like almost helpless. And, and he plays the role in this movie so well. I, I cannot imagine the confidence it takes to be able to pull off this kind of role as earnestly as he does it.
0: <laughs> it's really good. Yeah. It's really good. And it, it's funny because you, it's an ensemble cast, like yeah, ensemble leads. I don't remember who had like the top billing, um, mm. but I was like, his character is the one that undergoes the most growth and change. I think. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. They all do. I think Tom does the least. Um, I would argue Dan does the
1: most. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, you know, you have Jerry has his kind of like realization that basically there is a lot right in his life and he just needs to wake up to that fact rather than, you know, kind of dragging his heels through everything that he's doing. Um, Tom. Yeah, I, (laughs) I, I I think that's almost in keeping with his character though, that he doesn't do a ton of growth. I think that kind of like fits for him. Um, But yeah, Dan arguably becomes a more, just a more confident and capable human being after, uh, after the adventure.
0: Yeah. So like, like Jerry, I think is very nostalgic about like his childhood and the more like fun adventure type of, memories that he has in contrast with what seems to be kind of boring real life and he doesn't want adulthood yeah grow up uh tom i think has the shadow of like his dad and just having a rough upbringing and just kind of has that mentality of like oh well i'm always going to be the screw up um and Uh, Dan is a guy who's like he's successful he's a doctor but he's
1: scared of taking any risks yeah and what I appreciate about this movie is that there is character growth like they all have they have a a clear arc and the events of the movie play into the growth of the characters like it, it doesn't seem random or displaced it doesn't seem like you know we just push them forward they all have agency in the movie and they all show distinct growth and it, it, in an odd way this movie is well crafted from that standpoint <laughs> you know like it's it not is. it's not totally incapable
0: it's a very like the story's legit i mean the zany jokes aside um yeah. like they're going down the river and he's like oh a deer and the deer like bears its teeth at him and growls at
1: him. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> um,
0: but it's all not, you know, it's not too over the top. You can right. you can buy into it. Um and so I I don't know, I just like I I appreciate that. I could also see why it didn't like, you know, cement itself in the zeitgeist the way
1: other ensemble films have. And I think that comedy in general has difficulty with this because by its very nature, it's designed to make people laugh, which makes people feel like it is uh, like, inherently unserious in that way, especially a zany and or slapstick comedy like this. And I think that the more distance you get from the movie, the more people remember it in a fond way. Um, I Like I think of, you know, we consider things like, Young Frankenstein or uh um Airplane as classics of their age when at the time there was probably nothing considered classic about them you know like they they were very much just they were comedies that that hit during that time and especially in the moment i think comedies really have a hard time separating themselves as movies that sh- that can or should be taken seriously because their premise is inherently to put ourselves in a situation where we where we don't feel serious, and uh, yeah, there, there's again, this movie is oddly capable. Like it it has some weird shit going on, but it's not it's not terrible in any by any stretch, and and it has just enough of a kind of like large scale setting that it feels like it's something that could have been more than than what it ended up as like when we we talked about can't hardly wait earlier the setting of that movie limits it inherently the setting of without a paddle should give it much greater potential so i'm going to talk about some
0: stuff in the movie that if you like stop and think about it for longer a second you're like what uh lots
1: lots of this movie
0: they decide (laughs) to go finish their buddy's quest to get this find this treasure they're going out into the wilderness I think they could assume this would take a couple of days. I think that was the plan and they are clearly unprepared. Yeah. They, they have like beer. They have a shit ton of beer, end. which is yeah. Budweiser. And I'm like, ah, we got to remake this movie with like some <laughs> good beer, like get some craft beers in there. Um, But yeah, like it's a ton of beer, which you're like, okay, again, like that's kind of Tom's character, I guess. Um, yeah. But even then, like everyone else's supplies are relatively lacking. I mean, do they, do they have
1: tents or are they well, just, they have,
0: they have some stuff um, yeah. that the bear destroys. Right. Um, I couldn't quite tell if he destroys a tent or it's just like some of their sleeping bag stuff. Right. Um, But yeah, it shows that there was some stuff that got okay. destroyed. Okay. And when that happens, I'm sorry. When all your gear is trashed, that's when you're like, okay, we it's need time to time go, to go and regroup. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but they're like, no, we're gonna press on with nothing. With nothing,
1: I know. And I mean, like, there's that ridiculous scene where uh, uh, Tom decides that he's going to shine the salmon in the stream to get them. So <laughs> oh, funny. and he's like okay well now they got used to that pattern so now I gotta come up with a unique pattern to catch the next one my job is catch it you guys job is to is I throw it to you it's so over the top but it's like they don't even have fishing gear he has to catch salmon with his bare fucking hands (laughs) which apparently he's going to do which apparently he's good at theoretically could be done if the
0: bear hadn't shown up (laughs) Because uh, we see not once but twice, salmon
1: launch out of the water. It hit it, Matthew Lillard in the face, and he's <laughs> incapable of snagging onto it, and just very frustrating for for Dax Shepard. Very frustrating.
0: I know it's it's the classic, you know, don't look behind you comedy bit, though. It is, uh, yep. Which I was listening to the cast commentary, and they were talking a little bit about that scene, and they were like, "It's it was really funny because." know you're working with a wild animal it's yep it's trained you know bart was trained bart the bear um, yep was was trained but at the same time it's like you know there's rules to follow because it is a wild animal and it's like one of the things is you don't like tear off running away from a wild animal exactly it's like first thing we had to do run like hell away from a bear
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I, I mean, but it, it, it plays into just like part of what makes their version of this adventure so funny is that they are so woefully underprepared, not just in like supplies. Like they've got nothing with them. They just, they, they're completely out of their element. Like not one of them is capable of actually pulling this. The only one who should have been capable was Billy. And he would have been the one to lead them on this adventure and be like, no, we need this. We're going to do it this way and all that. And so <laughs> just situationally, like they are like bumbling their way through trying to make it deep into the Oregonian wilderness. And, oh, boy, I cannot I, I cannot count the ways that it would have gone wrong for them in real life. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: the The story could have doubled down on a bunch of other stuff, but they they kept it. They kept it lighter you know yeah it's it's true which was nice you uh you encounter the uh redneck pot smoker or pot growers
1: um this was the comically most- large amount of weed in that barn i and- i mean just this subplot was the the most i i this was the part that i had completely forgotten like absolutely totally forgotten that ethan suplee and i forget what the other actor's name is um they're not just rednecks in the wilderness. They are running a drug trade. They- yes.
0: <laughs> yes. and uh, the God. when they get cornered in the barn, you see that Tom was going to make off with this giant
1: thing the, the of brick, leaf. the pillow of <laughs> this thing was huge.
0: It was not just like a little brick. No, it was just this big, like couch cushion size thing.
1: <laughs> like, what
0: were you going to do with it, dude? What was your plan? Right. You're in the middle of nowhere with nothing. But he was like, I'm going to take this with me. I'm
1: taking this. <laughs> this is also a, a moment where, again, I got to give a lot of credit to Seth Green because I, I, I think that his his physical comedy is excellent. <laughs> And it's it, when they catch them in the barn and he's like, and all this, I mean, and it's like, he, he says no words, but he just kind of gestures around like, you know, who cares? <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, man, maybe don't call attention to it. <laughs> a uh, always a mistake. Yeah. And then uh, God,
0: his friends use him to break down the wall <laughs> to break down the way, like, as as a mad their yep. friend through the wall <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh-huh. Also, this shortly after this is is probably my favorite line in the whole movie is when the rednecks are arming themselves to go after him and the one goes, Leave the Cleaver, and he goes, Man, I like the cleaver and, and he's like, It's scary but ultimately impractical. Leave it behind.
0: <laughs> I feel like that was like almost like a good little like meta joke for like, yeah. filmmakers. Like if you're doing like horror slasher stuff,
1: yeah, yeah it looks
0: cool. <laughs> but if you think about it for a longer than a second, you're like, No.
1: You're not gonna exactly. This is this is no good. <laughs> uh,
0: which it, it all leads to another just absolutely ridiculous moment. Uh, the Stoner Dogs, because um, the oh, the that, field, that's right. The, the when it catches it on fire, fire. <laughs> and the dogs end up high. <laughs> and the dogs are high, but they like they roll over and they're just staring up in the sky and they see like dog constellations.
1: I loved the dog constellations. It's so that ridiculous. was, that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Their guard dogs are completely sidelined because <laughs> they're, they <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, and this is, so the, the funny thing is, is that this movie, Again, based on, like, the situation of these three guys being completely out of their element, totally unprepared, had enough material to move forward with simply that, like, finding hilarity in in, in that. Mm-hmm. And I think where this movie, like, makes a hard left turn into full, like, slapstick is this subplot when they run into the rednecks who are... Pot growing, and then are now being like it, the stakes are actually kind of insane because it's now not only are they like trying to just survive the wilderness that they're they're not really ready for, they're being actively hunted like the most dangerous game, you know, yes. like it's it, it's not just it's not just the world that is going to kill them, it's these the this drug cartel.
0: Um, and the movie does a very good job, I think, where it gives you ridiculous funny bit, then you know serious character sure ridiculous funny character development it's um it, it, i think it balances that very yeah. well um, yeah because you have a serious moment where like all the characters have to have this kind of confrontation uh with each other and try to find another way out and then they come across the the, the hippies in the tree and
1: that whole bit Um. so the the hippies in the tree this is another one where like my my memory of this film was just very faded i definitely thought a that happened much earlier in the movie and b that it went on longer i i remember that being a more like core to the plot and it's it's actually a pretty short sequence and it comes it comes like early in the third act
0: yeah it's uh yeah the the girls are fantastic but I had a little bit of a, a criticism and this First is, child. I know this is me just nitpicking but uh flower doesn't shave her legs but
1: does shave right. her pits <laughs> <laughs> like should
0: she had like when they going on
1: I uh, no it's 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 a it's an excellent point i mean the the her not shaving her legs bit is played for laugh when Seth Green is like, you want to roll down your leg warmers and I'll give you a calf massage, which, by the way, is kind of a gross thing to even <laughs> like offer in the first place. Like, I, I don't know why, but that that uh, for whatever reason, his like, I give a very nice calf massage. It just I was like, eh, uh, that's that seems odd. Um, but then, yeah, well, he's like, he's awkward. He's he's that's awkward that's, with the that's lady. It's like clearly excellent we, point we get to witness that excellent point but then he's like yeah roll down your leg warmers and she's like no i'm all natural and it just has like fucking hair like that long hair comically large amount of hair With so much <laughs> way way too much
0: <laughs> no it's like are you part sasquatch
1: because that is so much hair yep but then as you point out no hair on the underarms Pits are totally smooth. Yep,
0: <laughs> I had to go back and watch, you know, the the tantric orgasm bit, you know, just,
1: just to catch her. Armpits. Were they are talking about the the thunderstorm that shook Earth, Child? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, yeah, but you're right. That that scene does go by pretty quick, and you're kind of left being like, "What was the point?" Yeah, of this scene uh, to to give Dan a love
1: interest of of sorts, which, again, with it happening so late in the movie, this, I think, is the one kind of uh, it almost feels out of place is for this to develop as late as it does in, in the film like I, I can appreciate him like having a love interest that he's pining after for the movie and we see him grow into a more confident capable character who's now able to approach the, uh you know the the woman that he's interested in uh in a in a more you know less fisted, awkward manner but for this to pop up you know, like late second act early third act it feels a bit late uh, another then you continue on another joke that i think is
0: just again like really hysterical is (laughs) cuddling cuddling for warmth um the the way they shoot that with the r kelly song playing (laughs) dan taking off the fanny pack and dropping it like the can't the camera just tracks the the unclipping of the fanny pack and dropping it like it's it's uh It's shot very sexy in the worst way (laughs) because these guys are are so uncomfortable with what they have to do to survive.
1: And yeah, it's um, I I wonder (laughs) I would have liked to have been a fly on the wall in the set for that part. Like, what were, What was the interaction between not Tom, Jerry, and Dan, Matthew Lillard, Dax Shepard, and Seth Green? Like, how did they talk themselves through? How, how are we going to do this scene?
0: <laughs> and not just, like, die. Uh, just bust out laughing. Dax sells it so well in the scene. Just, like, his face <laughs> is
1: not, he is not he's, happy. He's like, no, I don't, I don't want to be here right now. <laughs>
0: oh my god um and then you know jerry has to take it a step further and uh which is absolutely what you do in a group of friends you you take
1: (laughs) you always push it (laughs) (laughs)
0: um which then brings us to burt reynolds and his uh his bit role as yeah cooper's partner dell um who's decided to stay on a mountain um He can figure out what happened to his his best friend yeah um i feel like there's almost a conflicting message there because it's like he was like you know you need to value your friendship like the power of friendship is that strong you it ties you that close but also it's like don't the movie's about like don't let your past hold you back
1: well and i think that's um i I think that's kind of the point that they make with del like long run, um, because I mean, he, he does pop up back at the end of the movie and he makes a comment about how his he, he lost his life basically just waiting. <clears throat> and I think that the if I'm looking into the writing, maybe more than it deserves, or maybe this is exactly what they were going for. He started up on that mountain looking for DB, mm-hmm. but then got to a point where he stopped looking and just started waiting. And I think that was kind of like his point was don't, don't wait, you know, if, if anything, I should have continued to look, or then I should have, you know, been like, uh, I'm not going to see my friend again. I need to move on uh, with my life because they're not going to see Billy again. And so, you know, they can still hold that, that bond of friendship, dear, but not be stuck in a, a life where they're like, if only we had Billy to, to lead us, you know, they, they, they need to move, move forward. So I think the two messages feel conflicting, but I, I can see there being a, um, a way that the two reconcile with one another, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I guess maybe, um, but they find DB Cooper really easily. They sure do. And Del, they, and I'm like, oh,
1: Del, they, they find was quick. Yeah. <laughs> he was right around the corner the whole time.
0: was <laughs> right there. He was right there. Like, how did these guys put it together so easily?
1: They're like, oh years, wait. Thirty years now. You didn't you didn't once think maybe the compass is wrong? <laughs> God. No, it took three idiots in seventies clothes. <laughs> <laughs> their their wardrobe that they take from him is perfect. It is it is just excellent because he's up there looking like you know, it, like this wilderness trapper from the 1700s, and then he gives them his old clothes and it's like very chic disco era you know like the big collars and the bell bottoms and
0: all that. <laughs> it's just absolutely ridiculous. And then we get it, yep. uh, we get a joke that I think is so stupid. Uh, I mean, it, it's kind of funny, but I'm like. It's just way too improbable. And okay. It's the, um, they recover the phone. From the uh, bear shit. From bear shit. Um, but apparently before that happened, the bear took a picture of itself. <sighs> because he opens it and there's a picture of the bear.
1: Of the bear. <laughs> yes. On the phone. Which, mind you, like don't we see the phone get eaten?
0: I don't know if we actually see it get
1: eaten but like it's talked about that it's been eaten right and that's where like even even if you allow for the bear being able to take a selfie at what point would it have (laughs) like this phone has been going through its digestive track (laughs) it becomes hooks crocodile
0: because (laughs) later because yeah later they hear his phone and they're like, what? <laughs> and it's the bear. You never see it's the bear different. at this point. But you're like, oh, so the bear has eaten the phone by this point, And it's yep. ringing that loud out of the bear's gut. Yep. Um. Again, probably shouldn't dissect jokes too much. But no, but I, that's, that's an, that is an that is an excellent impossible. parallel. Yeah. <laughs> it's so <laughs> impossible. I think they did the same joke in Jurassic Park 3 with the sat phone.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. Is what is it that the the satellite phone? Is it the it's it's the spinosaurus, isn't it? Yeah, the, yeah. That's one we should cover. You you've called that out. We should definitely do that movie. <laughs> uh,
0: well, brace yourself, people. Uh, we're gonna probably talk about the same stupid bit, and why <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Why <laughs> it's just ridiculous? Yeah, because this phone, like, I mean, this was before the you know the age of iPhone. This is a flip phone that was apparently indestructible. Uh, what?
1: That if I I have to say if anything was oddly prescient it is that because I do feel like cell phones were meant to hold up a little bit better in in older times I'm not saying it could pass through the digestive tract of a Kodiak bear and come out the other side and still function but I would trust a flip phone from you know the early 2000s to do it more so than I would my iPhone yes um, <laughs> the
0: the reason I think why the the joke doesn't land with me as hard is because one, it's just so stupid. The bear yep. has taken a picture of itself. But because immediately, he wipes off the phone and uses it. He just wipes it off. I was like, no. This yeah. thing is covered in actual shit. Um, I will not go, hello. I'll be like, hey. Uh, I'm holding that Hold thing away from away.
1: me. You are using the speakerphone he function. wipes
0: it with like a squirrel pelt and is like, that's good. That'll do to use the phone.
1: Uh, no, gross, (laughs) disgusting. That is, that is very much a scene that trends deep into slapstick territory. Like that's, that's along the same lines as the deer that growls. (laughs) Um, you know, like Uh it's like, exactly. How, how did the bear take a selfie prior to ingesting this telephone? And it's tracking them. <laughs> right. It's been hunting them. The one thing about this that I absolutely refuse to believe, how did the, the phone battery last that long? How?
0: That's a very good question.
1: How did the, the phone's battery last as long as it did? Because you're talking about days at this point. And I know older phones had longer battery life, but you still had to plug those sons of bitches in at least every other day. And you're telling me the bear took a dump right on the edge of the cliff? Also an interesting point. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just saying. You gotta, you <laughs> You're like gotta, none of this aligns. None of this. Yeah. You're none like this I, I time. buy, I, I buy the stoner dogs, but the bear shitting the phone out. No, that's where I draw the line. No.
0: <laughs> the bear shitting the phone out intact on the edge of a cliff. There, there's too many variables there. There's too many. There's too much nonsense in that in that moment.
1: <laughs> oh damn it!
0: Love it. The, the other thing that's really great about this movie is its soundtrack
1: yeah the it does have a strong soundtrack,
0: soundtrack. it's so solid and um there's i looked online and I, seth actually calls it out in the commentary at one point he was just like there's no soundtrack there was like no soundtrack release
1: for the oh movie. oh the movie never got a soundtrack that's crazy yeah um
0: but there's so much good movie uh so much good music in this movie and uh, thankfully people on spotify have you know put together playlists so you can
1: Listen to your without a paddle soundtrack. So do we think that is a, a licensing issue in terms of them not being able to release that soundtrack? Because I mean, one of the a movie that I always think of that has probably the most astonishingly perfect soundtrack of all time is days and confused. Um, and it like, the dazed and confused soundtrack is not easy to come by, at least not in a streaming capacity, because there are so many conflicting licenses that it's very, very difficult to get mm-hmm. that that without purchasing it. And I'm, I'm now I'm very curious if it was uh, a licensing issue with um, with this movie.
0: Well, I don't know. I, it's a very. I mean, that's a very good question. But it's like if you could use it for the film, um, what it, like what would the agreement have to have been? What was the money? I guess you have to put up if you want to compile this stuff together on an album. Cause I mean, films get soundtrack releases all the time that are various artists.
1: Yeah. And, and I think that, it, I, I think it comes down to whether or not you um, are, I, I'm just, I'm reading through the soundtrack right now. I think it comes down to whether or not you are going to redistribute the music for the purpose of profit off of the music by itself, rather than in the context of the film. I, that's that, that is, that's what I think might be going on. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Maybe
0: a couple of weeks back, you know, my, my buddy and I were in the car and we were talking about how black Betty is one of those songs that is almost kind of become a trope in itself. Yes. a it, go to for moments in movies. Yes, it absolutely uh, is. And, uh, I was actually looking up a list of, of films, uh, last night of just like all these different movies that have had this song in it. And there was a lot of titles, but I was looking at, this, I was like, there's no way this is it. There's been, th- this list was like from 2000 to, I think like 2011. So I was like, nah, there's, there's been way more than this. Yeah. Um, including uh, 2007's TMNT, the CGI Ninja <laughs> Turtle film. Uh, they play Black Betty when Raphael is fighting the Jersey Devil in the diner.
1: Ah, uh, That's right. I intentionally forgot about that movie. That movie's I I will fight you. That movie's good. I. Well, <laughs> a discussion for another day, perhaps. <laughs> 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 We're talking about the Michael Bay. No, 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 no,
0: no, no. Okay. No. We're talking about the the CGI one that came out, like the computer, like the animated one that came out in 2007. Oh,
1: which is why I don't remember the song being in. Okay, we are talking about two different Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies. Okay, I haven't seen that one. So, all right, I, really? I am willing to. Yeah, oh no, I, had, I have not.
0: We had like a watch party for that movie
1: like at our
0: Alexandria apartment. Oh, shit. Yeah. How did I miss that? But anyway, uh, the point of all this being... uh. Black Betty is prolific across cinema and it's actually so kind of yeah, interesting everywhere. to see how it was used in this movie as just a kickoff to the end credits, you know, yeah. it wasn't used incorporated in the film, but in the credits, and I was like, actually, I, I appreciate that as much as I love that song. And like, I will watch any scene that that song is, is, you know, sure. overlaying, but
1: it is used a lot it is it, it no i think the way that you put it is perfect it is it, it the song itself is a trope
0: but it's so good like that song is eternal to me like that is just like that is the song and maybe it's because there are 137 different versions of the song <laughs> <laughs> i listened to black betty for two and a half hours yesterday never a repeat uh <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh well and it's I, worth it, pointing out
0: because without a paddle they're playing the version done by spider bait uh, okay for example the one done in uh in the ninja turtles movie i'm pretty sure is ram jams version but it's not well the internet has told me that if you want to talk original black betty's old black
1: is it Betty like is it a folk song
0: like, the 30s or earlier wow the, 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 okay the lead belly version is probably is considered i think the earliest recorded version <sighs> which if you listen to the lyrics yep. and the song it's got the core of it that we all yeah. recognize but the, the the lyrics of the song are super different but i there was at some point i was listening to um black betty this past week i started yeah. to get this feeling in the back of my head I was like, did we, did we steal this song from black people? Uh, it's, (laughs) I was like, I think we stole this and we did. I, I, there's no, this was a a song. This was music that we, we took
1: Elvis's first (laughs) hits were reappropriated from traditional blues music. Like that's all right. Mama is not an Elvis song that, that does not belong to him. Um, but he re-recorded it, and that's. I mean, I, I, I like Elvis. I think he's, you know, a fine performer and all of that, or was a fine performer. But uh, it, the entirety of his early success was built off of stealing blue, uh, blues music, and because he was yes. white at the time, it was he was able to be successful with it. And that's it. it fucking hurts my heart. Yeah, I mean, uh, rock and roll itself kind of came out of. It did Uh, rock and roll would not be rock and roll without jazz and blues. Yeah. I mean, it was just a sped up version of the blues. That's even, um, I honestly, the, the funny, one of the best ways that you can like get your like mind around it is a Phineas and Ferb song where, uh, they're trying to put a heavy metal band back together. And, uh, they, when they track down the guitar player, he does a song about how all rock, goes back to the blues. And he basically just talks about like, or sings about if you tweak your guitar like this, now you're playing rock and roll. If you tweak it like this, now you're playing acid rock. If you tweak it like this, now you're playing heavy metal. And it's true. It all roots back to original jazz blues soul music. That's, that is where rock and roll came from.
0: Did did you just use
1: Phineas and Ferb to educate the people's? Phineas and Ferb educated the peoples on a lot of great things. Open your mind. Damn, you here, guys. <laughs> not just a children's cartoon. No,
0: learn I, some shit. You can learn some shit from Phineas and Ferb. All right, so back to lacking yeah. some paddles. Lacking um, some
1: paddles. Uh huh.
0: We got, okay? Let's let's talk about it. Would we prequel, sequel, or reboot this? Uh, right off the bat, I'm going to tell you there was a direct-to-video sequel.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, it's one of those that has absolutely nothing to do with the original in any way, shape or form. And yeah. the plot is hilariously, not painfully, not yeah. hilariously. It's painfully bad. Is it pretty inept? Yes. It is just that th- this was a story that did not need to happen.
1: Yeah. And this is, this is an interesting example of, uh, Oh man, the ratings on this are absolutely a, a painful. This is an interesting um, example of when some of these comedies back in this era basically would spawn like their own internal universe and people would make sequels that did not have anything to do with the original, but were in kind of the same vein or spirit. Mm-hmm. And so like in that way that there, each one is almost like a soft reboot, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know this because I there were there were a couple of films that that pulled crap like this. Um So it's it's not entirely surprising, but at the same time, it's also, like you said, completely unnecessary.
0: So would we try to revisit this <sighs> conceit? Would we try to see like something different with like the adventures of Billy uh, and like stuff he did? Cause I feel like it so, could be a really unspoken, but kind of hysterical story around like all those photos at his funeral. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. And that's, I mean, I think if you did a prequel, it would be a soft prequel. It wouldn't be directly like, you know, in advance of this movie, it would be more about the character of Billy and the kind of like shit that he got himself into, um, which could be very interesting. Um, I think it would be
0: like Billy and Tom having par- like parallel. Oh, oh, sure. Maybe they would like link up at some point. Yeah. Um, it might lead to Tom being detained in Mexico. <laughs>
1: oh, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a really tough one. Um, I, again, I, I think that if you do a prequel, you run the risk of potentially undermining this story. Because uh, like with some of the movies that we've done, the whole point of this story is that everything leading up to it for most of the characters is essentially unremarkable, except for maybe Tom and Billy, obviously. But like, you know, we we see the moment when they actually have an adventure, which would insinuate that everything leading up to that is very mundane. Um, and so I, I I think that a prequel has the potential to um, dramatically undermine this film. I would be kind of interested in getting this cast back together for a proper sequel. I and I think you could even like we've talked about you could do it now with them at the age that they are now and you know now more advanced in their lives. And I don't know what would call them back to the wilderness, but it, you could. I think you could create craft a, a, an effective story um, to pull these characters back together for you know the, the the great fighters one last fight right like they're they're yeah. now at a point where they really can't do this kind of stuff anymore but they're going to give it their best shot one more time i i don't see how you reboot this movie i just I, I just don't i'm I'm not sure that i i see a valid space for this to be rebooted and it to retain its original charm No, so you'd have to kind of just continue the story a little bit i think you can see yeah. like
0: in place uh you know the movie ends and tom's apparently a, a scout leader yeah <laughs> yeah actually it, it, <laughs> which is it, it, such yep. a weird like payoff to a yes early in the movie yep <laughs> you're a cub scout <laughs> no nah, but i ate a brownie once i ate uh, a
1: brownie once uh, uh, <laughs> such, uh, such,
0: a, such an easy joke such, i know I, I, the I, joke am... is it's, it's a classic in its own right uh, but then, like at the end of it, that's what he, like is that what he's done with his money? Is he's he's
1: become a, a scout leader?
0: He's become a scout? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, hey, kids, what downstairs are?
1: And just, like, uh, exactly. Yeah, but terribly inappropriate.
0: In place where you're like, oh, maybe they get stuck in the woods. Yeah, and. He has to like lead his scout troop out of the (laughs) woods with his compatriots because he's been a little irresponsible. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, But you have to do everything the same but bigger. So now it's like a bear and her cubs. Um, And
1: this is exactly the problem we talked about in the rundown, is if you did a sequel, there wouldn't be the monkeys, but there would be something that's very much the monkeys, Mm -hmm. Right. And so like I, I that is my fear with doing a sequel is that they'd be like, Well, if we did it this way, this way, so now we gotta do it even bigger and yeah, now it's not just one bear. It's a hundred percent. Like and yeah, because
0: they're <laughs> in that region, like maybe they're like hunting for Sasquatch or something and they come across, you know, woods people that are uh, I don't know, cooking up fentanyl or something.
1: Josh, no tracks. joke. If they remade this movie today, the bigger version of the bear would be fucking Bigfoot. They would do Sasquatch. That's exactly what it would be. They you wouldn't think do. Would, it would have bears. a little they Harry in would... the
0: Hendersons action in there. Yes,
1: one hundred percent. That is exactly what would be. That's that is what this would- <laughs> <laughs> how this would fall apart. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh man. Well, there
0: you go. That's a. Uh that's without a paddle folks is it ever
1: yeah definitely enjoyable yeah definitely worth a watch like you're you you will have fun with this with this film um I I think that the comedy in it especially given its age never trends into a territory of being like challenging in any way um it's yeah this is this is a perfectly enjoyable movie
0: yeah yeah I I didn't have any moments where I was like, ugh. Um, yeah. I think it's largely, largely okay. Yep. So, uh, give it a look. Don't look at the sequel. It'll ruin it.
1: Skip right past it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Tune into us next week instead
1: when we talk about <laughs> something else. Yeah. Instead of watching without a pedal Two, just listen to us, we we're, were far more entertaining.
0: Yes. And we won't steer you wrong people. Not on purpose. Um, no, certainly not on purpose. No. Let,
1: no. Us, let us navigate you up this creek. <laughs> let us be your paddle. We will, if you feel like you are in the wilderness without a paddle, we will be your paddle. We'll be we your will guide. be your Indiana Jones compass.
0: That's right. Yes. You can be the compass. I'm the map. Uh, <laughs> good. Love it. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Thanks, everyone.